one is going into the record book. Welcome in studio. I had a lot of stuffing. If you guys recall, the last time we had the yak out, Tim McDonald won three and out, pretty convincingly because of stuffing. So, no, because of gravy. Gravy. I said stuffing. So I messed that up. So All you right. messed that up. Why so now ju- back we'll to Mike starting. No, no, we'll just go with this. We're d- we're rolling. We're doing it live. Okay, we'll right. do it live. <laughs> we're back in the studio today. I'm Mike Winley alongside Bobby Broyles and Tim McDonald. How we doing, guys? How was your Thanksgiving? Solid Thanksgiving. It feels like we haven't been back in the studio for a while. Uh-huh. These holidays. I had a lot of gravy, Bobby, if you like that. I had a lot if of If you recall. <laughs> it <laughs> Did brings you the whole dish together. <laughs> then we come back to three and out. Yes. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, first weekend of SCS playoffs under our belt. Unfortunately, down to three teams now with Elon's elimination and wins from Stony Brook and New Hampshire. Guys, Elon started a bit of a skid uh, towards the end of the season. Just didn't seem to be able to recover going into the playoffs. We all know the phrase, you can't beat the same team twice, obviously Elon playing Furman earlier in the year. Um, How much do you think that factor played into Elon's elimination? I think without um, getting too much into the all-conference awards, we talked so much about Malcolm Summers early in the year. I don't know if anyone else really noticed that too. Summers, remember, got hurt Mm -hmm. basically halfway through the year, was actually picked to the All-CAA second team. Goes to show you how much the coaches respected that. His loss, I'm not saying he would have made the difference in the game, his loss changed the offense, and they kind of had to adapt. Furman, too, a team that runs a little bit of triple option, a little bit. Uh, in the playoffs, guys, we'll get yeah. into it. So many times, when you have a good running game, it almost th- that almost always overcomes people. When you have a r- good running game, when you control the line of scrimmage, that was the difference to me. I don't know if it was the matchup. I think it's just Furman's kind of started to figure things out, especially with the run game, and kind of ran all over them. You hate to look to one play to end the season, because there was 11 minutes left before yeah, that blocked was. extra point. It goes to show you, though, like every little yep. play, every little first down, everything in the playoffs is magnified that much more. You know, you look at Elon's season, I think they take so much from these final three weeks. I mean, you know, besides loss to Toledo, who are their three losses against? New Hampshire, James Madison, and Furman. What do they all have in common? They're all in the playoffs and really good. Exactly. So I think – you know, I, I know it's a tough way to end for them, but for a team that, you know, makes a turnaround like that and a very young team, uh, you know, they got a taste. You know, they got a taste. They got a t- They basically played three play. You know, like you said, they played three playoff teams in the season. Yeah, they didn't win any of them. Talk about a motivational factor to go into the offseason mm-hmm. for this young team, knowing that, you know, uh, yeah, maybe the JMU game, they didn't necessarily play their best against and play with them. But, you know, New Hampshire, they were there until the end. And, of course, Furman. Uh, just being on that stage and getting a little taste of that stage, you know, Elon got this year, I think is going to go a long ways going into ne- next season. Yeah, tough losing the first round, but they should obviously be delighted with the performance they had this year, and most importantly, making themselves a prominent figure in the CAA. Mm-hmm. And um, then obviously, Stony Brook, you look at the score, that one just whoosh. back and forth. We could have ran through those holes. Yep. Uh, six different players scored. They had over 300 rushing yards, over 600 yards of offense. What Not happened? the same caliber of win for New Hampshire, but yeah. 
one of those things where the defense, I, I guess if it's, if it's a shutout, if it was one of those games where it was like 24-21, you'd be a little bit even more concerned. Yep. The fact that the defense are in a shutout, I think it helps things a little bit in season-low total yardage. But just to have three teams, I feel like we've been in this situation so many times in the last couple of years. It's like three teams remain. Yep. But after this weekend, we're not sure how many will remain. Yeah, tough. That's the tough part. How about a tough year for the Patriot League? Not to go off topic, but man. Yeah. That the Lehigh and yep. being under five hundred, a team going to the playoffs, you know it's Sonny Burke puts up fifty nine. That's that's incredible. I don't if you're JMU, you we always talked last year, remember it was the same yep. thing with New Hampshire. They beat up Lehigh too. Yep. We talked about the difference between would you rather have a buy or would you rather have that week of scoring fifty nine points, knowing exactly. your offense just did that. If you're JMU, I think you're I don't think you've been in this spot before, but I also think JMU maybe their antenna's a little bit more raised after the performance that Sonny Burke had. Yeah, it was Lehigh, but to do that on any football team, to, to any opponent, oh, yeah. that's going to raise – you do wonder what JMU thought when they saw that leading into this week. They haven't played Stony Brook. That's, that's the biggest question for both teams. Stony Brook doesn't know what to expect. JMU doesn't know what to expect. I think it'll be a really good game. Oh, I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. It Man. stinks that it, one team it, has it to It does lose. stink. I, I don't like it. That's but, not us talking like, yeah. oh, hey, you know what? I love the CAA. That's that's us saying, like, literally both of these teams are really good teams that don't deserve to be out. One of these teams is going to be out after the second round. I, it, it, well, that's, I mean, Stony Brook finished, what, 10th? In the in the number ten in the polls yep. going into the playoffs, it just to me mathematically, I know they have to regionalize and whatnot. It just doesn't make sense that the number ten team in the country has to play the number one team in the second round. Just how it's all laid out. I mean, it's uh, I and wish then there was people a way around that. The, but, my favorite tweet from the weekend too, and this is no disrespect to the Pioneer League or San Diego yeah. in any way, but San Diego's a, a non scholarship team. Yep, beat Northern Arizona forty one to ten, and someone was saying like, so North Dakota State's the number two seed. JMU's the number one seed. JMU gets to play a 10-win Stony Brook. Yep. North Dakota State gets to play San Diego Who at home. Who has no scholarship And it's players. like, people were saying that. It's like, that uh, is regionalization. It's the West versus East, but it's also like the NCAA knows <laughs> San Diego, they're not going to pay San Diego to go fly to play JMU when yep. if this was a true tournament, that's probably what would have happened. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, wrapping up week one of the playoffs, you were obviously at UNH on the scene. Tell us, uh, give us a little. I was on the scene. It was a weird game because, like, Thanksgiving, you saw the attendance figures from across the FCS. It's never been a good weekend. No, it has You know, everyone's at grandma's. Everyone's already kind of yeah. either getting over the hangover or getting over some type of Thanksgiving leftover. And it's on the Watch ESPN app. Yeah, it's yeah. on the – so everyone's staying home. Weird game because it was like UNH moved the ball and yep. everything was good, and then five minutes would go by, and all of a sudden it would be a three and out or a missed field goal, yep. all those types of things. At, you could just tell, I think it was a little bit of a wake-up call for some of the younger players on that sideline, kind of feeling like, okay, this is our first playoff experience. It's not just getting to the playoffs, it's taking care of business. Central uh, Connecticut State impressed me a little bit, too. Their defense, is, they, their defense balled out pretty well on Saturday. I think I they thought. played better. That's the perfect example. Like Central Connecticut State lost to Youngstown 59-9 to yeah. earlier in the year. I think teams, people forget sometimes how yeah. much teams adapt. Yeah, and uh, but they're... New Hampshire right now, they have a huge problem in the special teams department, mm -hmm. and, and it makes you worry it, going into it, the Central it, Arkansas game a little bit. It makes you worry that it, – it also makes you wonder, are they even going to kick? Like, let's exactly. be honest. After – and it's not the kicker's fault. It's not someone's specific fault. I don't know if everyone on that team trusts the special teams enough, so it wouldn't shock me to see New Hampshire get a fourth and three, fourth and six inside Central Arkansas and be like, we, yep. we got to score a touchdown. Yeah. We got to do something. Because that's one game I, I followed through my phone – uh, admittedly, most of that game because uh, you know out shopping, Christmas shopping, <laughs> but anyway, but it's like 
every time I looked at my phone, it was like, oh, New Hampshire's inside the 20. And then I'd check it five minutes later, and it's still 7 nothing. And I'm like, special teams, special teams, special teams. And then it was, yeah. You know that's going to be the factor in the JMU-Stony Brook game, too. Something's going to happen special teams related that's either going to spark JMU or it's going to spark Stony Brook. Stony Brook probably has the best defensive special teams unit. JMU has the most weapons. So Mm -hmm. a heck of a lot to look forward to in the second round. It's really unfortunate that – Technically, I mean, I hope we have two teams left. We, yeah. we could only have one, but at the end of the day, it's still good to have one team at least make it through. Yeah, yeah and obviously we touched on Jamie and Stony Brook playing each other. UNH will be taking on Central Arkansas out of the Southland. Strong team here, 10-1, and one, had a good win over Sam Houston State earlier in the year. The Wildcats could have their hands full this weekend. I, they could, and the line, I think, in Vegas, I'm not a betting man. I never have, but uh, – a lot of people look to those lines and say, like, what is the line? It started at, like, 10.5, and, and now it's kind mm-hmm. of jumped up to, like, 14.5. And, and a lot of people – there's not a lot of people across the FCS, across the FCS, people that I trust, the mm-hmm. people on Twitter, people on message boards, that no one's really picking UNH, which is good for UNH. But at the same time, I think New Hampshire realizes and I think the nation realizes if they got the four seed, they probably got it for a reason. They won the Southland, not Sam Houston. So yep. a team that uh, lost its FBS opener and now has won 10 straight – we know about New Hampshire playing on the road in the playoffs. I don't think that's going to be a huge factor. No. Especially against a Southland Conference team, McNeese State in 2009, yeah. Southeastern. I know they're completely different teams, but it is kind of exciting because I don't think New Hampshire knows what to expect, and I don't think people really know how good Central Arkansas yeah. is. So they something's going to – got a beautiful field out there. Yeah, the stripes. Arkansas, if you guys huh? see the that purple one. Oh. The purple stripes, yeah. I didn't. I, I just – I don't really know about I that. I do like the way – you know, I know it's Central Connecticut State, no disrespect to them, but I do like the way New Hampshire's defense did play last week. And if you're playing a Central Arkansas team that, you know, basically had to outscore Sam Houston State to win, you know, you know they're going to come with a high-potent offense. Yep. And you have to be encouraged to see that New Hampshire. I think it's going to have to be one of those a bend don't break type of performances by New Hampshire yeah, defense. Yeah, or like, get some you type know, of turnover. Central Arkansas can go up and down the field between the twenties, but if they can get them to settle for three instead of six, I think New Hampshire can find a way to win this game. And and before we we'll get into the matchups and all that and all that stuff. But sixteen teams are left. We know that at this point. If the winner of the James Madison Stony Brook game. If it's James Madison, obviously they're staying home. Um, if it's Stony Brook, that will be determined because Southern Utah and Weber State play. That's an 8 o'clock game. That's the latest game in the in the uh, second round, I should say, on Saturday night. That's a rematch, just like Stony Brook and JMU. That's a rematch from the Big Sky. And then on the other side of the bracket, um, the winner of the Central Arkansas-New Hampshire game, depending on who wins the other one. Again, South Dakota State and UNI, Northern Iowa and New Hampshire have some playoff history as well, so... Whoever wins those games, it's kind of one of those. Don't forget, you know, if you're seated, you play. If you're the higher seed, you obviously stay home. That's just how it works. If there's two teams who are unseated, then it goes to a bidding process, which will determine after whoever wins. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting to see how JMU does. Speaking of JMU, uh, this week we got to. Don't cross the moats. <laughs> we got brought on a moats. special guest from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. Bobby sat down with former JMU Duke Arthur Moats. Here is that interview. It is my pleasure to welcome the 2009 CA Football Defensive Player of the Year and Buck Buchanan Award winner, former JMU defensive lineman and current outside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Arthur Motes. Arthur, it's great to hear from you, sir. Welcome to the Yak Podcast. How are you doing? Hey, what's up, man? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on, man. 
Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk a little CA football and JMU football. Uh, Arthur, obviously anyone who follows you on social media knows you still keep up with the Dukes quite a bit. Uh, how fun has it been for you as an alum to follow this team the past couple of years during this winning streak? Oh, man, you're absolutely right. I love my Dukes, man. Extremely prideful alum. And, uh, man, it's just been awesome, especially this past two years. I mean, you think about the success that they've been able to have, especially winning the national championship and then going on and winning, what, this is their 23rd win in a row, coming back-to-back, getting into the playoffs. So, you know, I'm extremely excited about it, man. I just love watching them. And trust me, I tell all my teammates about the best team in 1AA and and actually in all the college football. That's why I like to tell them all the college football is the JMU Dukes, baby. (laughs) Pull a whole we want Bama on them, don't you? (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, uh, you didn't play for Coach Houston. Uh, Have you met him on your visits? And talk about the job he's done since arriving to Harrisonburg. Yes, yeah, so man, I've met Coach Houston, and we've actually uh, talked a couple of times, and we remain in contact through uh, through text messages as well. And, I mean, he's one of those guys, and when you first meet him, you can just see how he's going to get that respect from his players, how he's going to draw that uh, that respect that he deserves and that he's totally earned. And then also, man, the thing that I loved about him was just his mentality. He didn't come in overly flashy. Um, you think about it, he came from the Citadel, so even though he had success there, it wasn't like it was a powerhouse he was coming from, but his whole mentality was we're going to work, and we're going to make sure we get better every day, and we're going to focus on those little things. And, and literally, that's been their whole mentality, their whole motto, and they've been having just crazy success. And I remember watching them in spring ball um, right, at, right after he had got uh, hired there and stuff, and I was just like, man, like just seeing his command of that team, just seeing the respect that, they, that he, he demands, and not only on the field but in the classroom, because he, he doesn't just want the guys to just be good football players. He wants them to be great men, and, and that was just another thing that really stood out to me about him. So, you know, I love everything that he's doing there right now, and, I mean, I hope he just continues to stay there for the rest of his career. <laughs> Absolutely, we do too. Uh, obviously, CA football, Arthur, as you know, it, it's a grind. It's a it's a great league, and, and it's been represented well through the years in the NFL with players such as yourself, uh, your rival Joe Flacco, uh, Corey Graham up there in Philly, you know, you know, Corey Graham in Philly doing his thing from New Hampshire. Uh, you play with Jordan Dangerfield, obviously, who's currently on the Steelers. Uh, is there all – a sense of pride when you run into these former CA alums, you know, maybe after the game, do you guys talk about, is it kind of unreal or do y'all talk about the collegiate days when you have the opportunity? Oh yeah, we definitely all talk, man, especially when it comes to the CA because we always say that, you know, we're, we're small school guys. So we have to make sure that we, we put that much emphasis on how good we are because it's like anyone can make it from a bigger school at Texas or USC or Florida state, but you have to really be, a great player to come out of these smaller schools. And the fact that we have so many coming out of one particular conference is lets you know how much of a powerhouse that conference is. So it's nothing for us to, you know, every week look on the, uh, look on the depth chart and say, okay, all right, this guy's from the say, oh, this guy went to Delaware, this guy's from – Oh, that's cool. Okay, and that's cool right there. Okay, oh, uh, it's a William Ray guy. I don't like him, but I'm still going to talk to him for a second, though. <laughs> Speaking of William Mary guy, leading me right into my next question. I mean, your head coach, Mike Tomlin, uh, a William Mary oh, alum. Man. I mean, obviously. Listen, 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 I'll say this about him. He's a great guy, but that is his, his major flaw right there. You know, it's one of those things It's like, Coach, I, I love you. We, we, we hang out, we talk, but you got this flaw, this, this, this nonsense about you that I can't get over because you decided to go to that school. I just I don't understand why. But at the end of the day, you know, I forgive him for it. I try to work past I try to look past it, but he's a work in progress. 
Uh, obviously, uh, yes, indeed. And then, uh, do you obviously you guys give each other a hard time? I'm sure during the rivalry week, any wagers or anything like that? Do you, have you ever had to make them put a JMU shirt on or anything? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's mandatory, man. It's always going to be a JMU shirt because JMU always beats Wayman, right, baby? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's always funny. I mean, we always give each other crap about it throughout the season, training camp. We'll talk about you know guys getting days off, and he's like, "I will give you a day off, but you went to JMU, so I got to make sure I work you extra hard." So you know. <laughs> one of those vibes, man, but it's a, it's a great time. Oh, man, that's great. Uh, back to the Dukes a little bit. You know, you're a defensive guy, obviously, outside linebacker. This team in the past two years, you know, or past few years, you know, they were really kind of known for the offense, the, uh, so many points on the board. What what has it been like for you to watch them kind of really dominate on defense? It kind of started last year in that playoff run, and now carrying over to this year, you know, tops in the country in so many statistical categories. Man, when I tell you I love seeing the defense, you know, be the, the, the focal point, the leaders out there. And it's on all three levels, too. I mean, you think about up front, you got, you know, Andrew, uh, uh, I think you say his last name, Ankara. Make sure I'm yep. saying it the correct way. Yep. Like I said, he's been dominant. I mean, you think about him the past two years. Uh, shoot, last year you had Gage still, one of the, the, the best linebackers you're going to see come out of that conference who was dominant. Our secondary, I mean, shoot, those guys are flying around making big-time plays. But I also love not only about the defense, the special teams, too, because a lot of those guys who aren't starting on defense are playing a lot on special teams, and they're still making, you know, big-time plays in the return games and, 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 and blocking kicks and things like that. So I just feel like in both of those phases, you could just see the attention to detail and the, 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 the ownership that the players have taken to have that type of success there. Arthur Motes, outside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, former JMU Duke, wrapping up with him today on the YAG. JMU comes into this FCS playoffs, of course, as the defending national champions. Uh, begins with a big game against a conference foe in Stony Brook. They will have the targets on their back, you know, the Dukes. It's similar to what you guys kind of have there at the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, what will be the keys for the Dukes during this playoff run, having that target on their back if they want to repeat as national champions? Man, it's, it's very true. You know, they definitely have the target on their back. But the same thing that we tell, that we preach in, in that facility with the Steelers is, if we play our game, we're good enough to beat anybody out there. And I feel like the same with JMU. As long as they play their game, they'll beat any team that they face because talent-wise, they have the goods. And that's in all three phases and at all the positions. But they have to make sure that they don't turn the ball. When you turn the ball over, when you're having self-inflicted penalties, that's, you know, you beating yourself, you being in your own way. And I feel like that's the only way that JMU can – you know, get beat this year. I mean, the games that I've watched, the only time that they struggle is when they've had, you know, those turnovers and stuff like that. But a lot of times the defense and special teams have definitely done great jobs and, and, you know, working in unison with the offense and picking them up in certain areas. But then the flip side, if the defense may have struggled, you know, on a, a, in a particular area, the offense is able to respond. And, and I feel like when all three phases are playing off of each other like that, that's how you're able to have that type of success and, and have that sustained success because it's one thing for somebody to do it one or two games. But when we're talking 23 games in a row, like that's insane when you think about how long of a span that is of just winning, you know? So I feel like as long as they keep playing their game, man, they'll be fine. It has indeed been a great run for the Dukes. Arthur Motes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank you for joining us on the Yak Podcast. Uh, good luck the rest of the season with the Steelers. Stay healthy. And, uh, you know, we'll, we look forward to watching Jamie and the rest of the CA football teams this week in the playoffs. And maybe we'll be talking to you here again down the road if the Dukes continue to advance. Absolutely, man. It was great talking with you as well. I look forward to seeing my Dukes continue this run. We need number 24 now. So, go Dukes. Let's get it. Ah! 
Wait, Bobby, how did you uh, get the interview? Did you slide into the DMs? Because I tried. I know you tried. I tried to you slide know, into the DMs. Me and Arthur got a little, down bit, his, in little the bit of history. Just a little bit of history. I've been here Send for... Send him an email? Send him an email, yeah. And we, he responded? We, we're, we're like that. Right away? Right was away. It, like it was like minutes? 10 seconds. Was it like a work email, like an hour later? Or was It It was an AOL email, actually. Oh, okay. I'm not going to reveal his email. No, no. I wasn't saying, like, <laughs> you don't have to, like, call him out. I was saying, like, was it, you know, no. was it a work Was it a work response? Like, no, yes, I'll get on that right now. Or I think is it, it, was a, it was a combination of that Arthur Motza actually is a fan of me and you and our show. He watches he watches our show and and he's very familiar with the content we do at the CAA, which is great and and it goes back to my first years. I believe it was my first or second year when he was the CAA Defensive Player of the Year here at the CAA, and I met Arthur at Media Day, and you know and he obviously I, still follows CAA football. He does follow CAA interview. football, yes, definitely. So which is really cool to see. Yeah, you know, and overall, just a great guy. I mean, he's won Walter Payton Man of the Year award in the NFL level. He's very into a lot of charities, obviously and he, he's made a great donation to JMU as well, and, and we got to interact a little bit when he did that. Uh, I believe it was two years yep. ago with the Villanova game. I think you were there too. So yep. Just really cool to yeah, see Yeah, to see a great guy and, and very obviously listening to him. He's full of energy, positive energy yep. all the time. So And, of course, doesn't stink that he plays for my favorite NFL team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, you Steelers. forgot to leave that I part out that until the end. part out there. Yeah, you of know. course. So, I always wonder, know. like, emotes, you know, if we had more time, it would be like we could get emotes. We could try to find uh, a Stony. We could get, like, Will Ty from the Giants. Like, yeah. if you're listening, you know, we, you can call us. You can, that's fine, too. It would always be really cool Corey to get Graham. those two people at the same time and talk about, like, oh, yeah. man, yeah, New Hampshire. Yeah, Corey Graham, like, man, when we played at JMU, you know, back in those days. But it is really cool to see that they're still recognizing what's going on especially especially Arthur Motes and Mike Tomlin getting after yep. each other every I heard year. that in the opening line yeah he, he, that's his only so, fault right that's, that's what he said about Mike yeah, Tomlin exactly that he went <laughs> to William <and> Mary <laughs> so thanks again for Arthur Motes joining us it's always great to see uh, uh you know NFL stars not only you know still be engaged with you know the program they played at but actually give back and yeah cool to very cool take the time to sit down with us but now yep. it's time for three and out Tim, you have the questions. Three and out. It's three and out. And 16 teams are left in the playoff field in the second round. So we have four conference matchups across the board. Um, would you rather leave things as they are right now, three CAA mm. teams? Um, we know that two of those teams are playing each other, that whole deal, yada, yada, yada. Or would you rather have... Two remaining teams, you know, I'm not going to make you pick, well, would you rather have JMU, Stony Brook, or New Hampshire, but would you rather have two remaining teams, but knowing that they're on opposite sides of the bracket and the only possible rematch in the whole playoffs would be if both teams made it to the national championship? Uh, kind of a loaded question to it start. Is a question. It's tough because I know my answer. I don't know if you want me to go, if you want me to wait. I'll, I'll be the gentleman. I'll let you pick and you decide, but... I'm not a fan of how things are in the second round, as B. I don't like that necessarily, even though I know I voted in three and out in previous. Yeah, that don't worry. I like 2014. People don't remember that one. I know. But I just think that in this scenario here, just it, it just it, it's really irked me ever since I saw the bracket that Stony Brook might be playing JMU in the second round. I just I think both those teams are at least quarterfinal if not semifinal teams right there now i don't mind them being on the same bracket i don't mind that at all i just don't think that 
I feel like that's I don't the think way they should play in the be. second round. I Mike, don't think you're they you're a Delaware round. guy. You went to Delaware. You obviously went to Delaware football games. Yeah, I, I know what like you're alluding to UNH and no, not that actually. Oh, I wasn't even gonna. I semis, was gonna say though. I feel like the glory days, like 10, 12 years ago, it was okay for CAA football fans because they, like you just said, it was sixteen teams in the playoffs, and they said if we get to the semifinals, it doesn't matter at that point because it would always be like William and Mary, Delaware in the semifinals, James Madison and Delaware in the semifinals, or the, mm. James Madison Villanova. In the semifinals, so I think yeah. people could live with it then because it was yeah, the semifinals. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I I just I can't live with it in the second round. Is yeah. what I'm saying. I th- that especially. I mean, maybe maybe it's because it's just this year. Because last year, I guess maybe it didn't bother me as much because nothing against New Hampshire, but they were seven and four. Yeah. You know, they kind of limped into the playoffs a little bit. Stony Brook though is a top ten nationally ranked team that's playing the top team. In the country, yep. in the second round, that just something just it just doesn't really make too much sense to me. I'm gonna go with just for comparison's sake. I'm gonna go with the opposite, just because. And I know I said I wouldn't pick teams, but I think if you're staying at home, so it it was either you can change it or you can keep it as is. I think it's that much more valuable to be seated and staying at home in the playoffs, even though like last year was a prime example. JMU at at one point pretty early on in the playoffs was the only CAA football team remaining. So for me, it, staying at home and having it like it is, I hate it because I don't want CAA teams to ever lose in the playoffs. Yeah. But, I mean, ideally, meet in Frisco, see you there. You know, we'll take the same flight. But at the same time, playing at home, and Jamie proved it last year, if you stay at home and you take care of business, it's that much more of an advantage no matter where you go. So that, to me, is the only absolute reason why I would keep it as it is. I think... Listen, I really hate seeing our teams play each other, yeah, especially in the second round. Does it make a difference that they didn't play in the regular season? I think it does. I think it does. But at the end of the day, like, uh, we want to see – it only helps our league, I think, if we have more teams go Agreed. as far as possible. Agreed. I mean, obviously. But but I, I do think, you know, it makes this game a little more interesting that they haven't played each other. Um but yeah, I'll go with Bobby on that one. All right. I mean, don't you think maybe they should look at maybe seating everybody at some point? I think they might go back to it, but I also think it's one of those things where 2017 FCS yeah. playoffs. Like, so just to give people, this is my understanding, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm correct on it. I could be a little bit wrong, but so for example, if New Hampshire is going to play Central Arkansas, this is the playoffs. They still have to pay for certain things on that trip, yeah. but the NCAA, the flights, so flying to Central Arkansas, all that stuff, the NCAA essentially takes care of the large part of that bill. So yeah. I think the NCAA sits there and says, we could do San Diego going to James Madison, and that would cost double of what it would cost for you know, Northern Iowa going to South Dakota State. That's a bus ride. So yeah. some, I, I think ultimately you're right, and a lot of people talk about it. Should it be 116, 215, or however, that, however the seating works out? And that, that's how you determine a true champion. But I think sometimes in 2017, in today's day and age, regionalization gets and money gets thrown around too much. Throw some of that Power 5 money down to us, right? That's right. There you go. You guys can keep your Final Four. I'm watching the selection show. Everyone's <laughs> freaking out about, like, who's going to be in, you know? And everyone has to play this weekend. I'm like, 24 teams. Playoffs already happened. Like, <laughs> you guys can just keep worrying, you know? The FCS level will keep things where it's at. Determine everyone on the field. Yep. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. There's this rant. Thanks There's my rant. Um, Mike, second two and out. You can pick me in this one. That's okay. Um, second three and out without picking the remaining CA team. So you cannot pick okay. New Hampshire and Stony Brook. Um, and 
caveat, you cannot pick North Dakota State either just because okay. the history of North Dakota State and what they did before last year's loss to JMU. Yep. Had to throw that out too. Um, without picking the CA teams or North Dakota State, who right now, because James Madison, they did get the top seed. They do deserve that right to have a little bit of love on our show. Yep. Who is the biggest threat? It could be in the next round. It could be in the semifinals. It could be in Frisco. Who right now would you be sitting here and saying, I don't want them to have to play JMU because they're going to beat JMU? It can't be Stony Brook, correct? Correct. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to go with. It can be any time. It doesn't have to be, you know, I don't want to no, pressure I'm you. Going, I'm going to all the way to Frisco and the team that I don't think Jamie wants to Put see. Put on the sunglasses. <laughs> Here we go. I knew it. Sam Houston State. <laughs> I knew it. I think there I called it. I think there would be a revenge factor beyond no other. If Casey had the opportunity. If Casey gets the opportunity to take on the Dukes again, I think what happened. And, and for, same for Jeremiah Briscoe. It was cold. It was, it was, it was dark. dark. It, it was, was perfect. perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, Texas, well, it was cold last year there. But anyway, it, I just think that Sam Houston State, Casey Keeler, Jeremiah Briscoe, I think, you know, they were – I feel like they took some of that frustration out on Richmond, even though – Even though, yeah, it had nothing it, to do with Jamie. Yeah, exactly. But I think that team right there has – you know, I, I'm going based off a motivational factor. That's who I would pick. So, man, it's like Mike is in my brain. Mike, Mike, what was your line? Throw on the shades. Throw on the shades. <laughs> and it, for those of you that don't know, Bobby's Bobby wants to go back to Frisco, and Bobby, you know, he'll take any team going to Frisco. But oh, it's yeah. also going to be interesting because Bobby lost his bag on the way to Frisco last year because of the airline. So we oh, had a little bit of a freak out at the airport. So this year we're doing carry on. Okay, carry if on. If we get there, you're doing carry on. I'll carry your bag for you. What if they make you gate check it? <laughs> yeah, that's why I think they <laughs> lost it in the gate check. All right, then we will only bring they a left small it in I will, Philadelphia. Then I will be your connection. what is it called? Your personal guide dog that or your animal that can go. So I'll share that. Yeah, I'll be your emotional support animal. And okay? I missed that whole first half of the Steelers wild card. <laughs> freaking out in there. Anyways, I will pick. <laughs> I'm gonna go with just because I'm an old fashioned guy and I believe in the program that Wofford has built and I believe mm. in the style that Wofford has and it's a style that JMU. Coach Houston has faced in the Southern Conference, and he ran it at the Citadel. But a triple option team facing JMU's defense, to me, would be really entertaining to watch. Because be Wofford's a team, second straight playoff appearance last year, made it all the way to the quarters, lost in double overtime to Youngstown State. Mm. Really good offense, a lot of guys back, and a program that is often overlooked and often has had playoff success. If That, to me, would be a really intriguing matchup, a triple option team versus James Madison, versus Mike Houston, like I said, who ran the triple option at the Citadel, no, knows Mike Ayers at Wofford. That would be a really intriguing matchup, just because it's a team we don't see, and it's a team that JMU would have to spend. You know, mm -hmm. Obviously, you'd have a little bit more time to prepare. It would still be really interesting to see how teams dial up. So Wofford runs the veer. Wofford runs the veer. Yeah. Yes, they do. Best in the country at it. They are right now. Don't tell Kenny South State that, but yes. Wofford, I would, yes. Don't, tell, the best don't tell Bobby team. Bowden in West Virginia that. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> I don't know. This is a tough one. <laughs> that was a really good one, Tim. I, I didn't think about that one. I give you credit, but I still think mine won. But we'll see. I think I'll go with Tim. Oh, that's right. You know he's not going to support the man with Over the shades. Casey. Over Casey. <laughs> go Bearcats. <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear this <laughs> ever. Um, the final three and out yeah. was, again, kind of mingled in my mind, and it was kind of – but yep. Oh, we didn't figure it out yet? No, we did, but it's okay. like I got to explain it, so I'm okay. going to try okay. here. Okay, so for the third three and out, for the win, um, 
His three and outs have been very detailed this week. They have. They might. I've been thinking about it, but this one is yes. hard, so bear with me. Okay. So you can pick one trait, and when I say trait, I mean uh, not like JMU's offensive line, not like one player. Like it has to be a trait. So the physicality of JMU or the the sturdiness of the secondary. You can pick one trait that you think is most important, and it can be for New Hampshire, it can be for JMU, it can be for Stony Brook. What is the most unknown trait that you think is the difference maker for one of these teams advancing this weekend? So it can be, you can say JMU's defensive line, you can say Stony Brook's whatever, you can say New Hampshire's uh, crazy offense, you, whatever you want to say, you have to pick one trait that maybe people don't think about or is a little bit unknown. And what would that be? Stony Brook's red zone offense. That's a good answer. That's really good. That is that. I'll 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 stop talking. Best in the country, or no? Best in the best conference. In, best in the conference. Best in the conference in red zone offense. Uh, you know, it, I don't think it's been even talked enough by us at this point how much better of a quarterback Joe Carbone is from last year to this year, and in particularly taking care of the football and getting the ball down the field. Yep. But he has been excellent in the red zone in regards to taking care of the football and has been, I think, the most accurate once inside the 20. You know, it's almost like the running game gets them inside the 20 and it sets up for that perfect play action pass. They've ran that play or, so many or times. Or Donald this year. Yeah. It's, it's like the, the highlights are, have you ever, have you noticed that this year? Yeah. The highlights of Stony Brook games yeah. are literally like no disrespect to them. It's the same thing every week because yeah. they get in the red zone. Get down to the five. To play action. Play slant. action or slant or oh. hand it to Leotine and Leotine. he rumbles in. Yeah, And he, you know what? He's actually executed a couple of those beautiful fade passes, too, inside the he red has zone as well. So he's seven, just been seven straight games that Joe Carbone has thrown two touchdowns. Yeah. So, And I mean, we said this week, I don't know what the injury was, but Ray Bolden won't be playing this week, which no. you'd obviously love for Sonny Brook to have Ray Bolden. And he's been his favorite weapon in the red zone. He has, and... But I think they, they but they didn't have Bolden last week, so and they were pretty, they, they did pretty well in the red zone. But I think it's the mixture. I mean, they have several running backs at Stony Brook at this point, and even though Bedell gets most of the attention, and Leotine is probably right after that, but Gowans has been running the football very well, you know, and and Alston Jr. can't forget about him, and and I just think they're very they've been just so great in the red zone and I think that needs to be looked at that's going needs to be looked at this weekend. Tim, what do you got? I got the James Madison special teams. And I know that's pretty like broad like James Madison special teams what does that mean? Like the way that James Madison secretly and quietly just if they're kicking off, no one is returning it past the 30. If they're kicking if they're punting with Harry O'Kelly, it's Inside the 20. It's inside the 20, <laughs> or it, you're not going to return it. Yeah. If you look at their stats, they never give up. Yep. They're so athletic, and they're so everyone swarms to the ball. I think JMU's special teams unit is the unknown factor that, to me, athletically, that unit plays like – I know those guys probably – a lot of them aren't starters. They play like that's their Super Bowl every time they go on the field. No one returns a kick longer than 15 yards. They've only allowed a total of like 22 punt return yards the whole season – I also think James Madison, when they get inside the red zone, and you you could say to James Madison, why don't you just go for it on fourth and one? Why don't you? Yeah. But James Madison also has Coach Houston in that unit always knows when they need the points, when they don't. 
and it's kind of automatic once yeah. they get inside the 20. The if they need to kick a field goal, it doesn't matter if it's a 25-yarder. Yeah. Is it is it like this year? I was at the William Mary JMU game. Their kicker got hurt. They put in another kicker. He makes three yep, field goals. Yeah, he makes three field goals. I was like, and what college programs in all the country can just bring in a backup kicker and he'll just or, knock three field or goals? Or what college? Like Harry, Harry O'Kelly from Australia yep. is a rugby style. He runs to the right. He's a right-footed kicker, but will also, to mess up the defense, They they're smart enough to say, the defense is going to load the right side. Harry O'Kelly, as a right-footed punter, runs to the left and can <laughs> kick it that way, which is only in Australia. I I don't know. The athleticism for me, that is the difference in James Madison a lot of the times that people don't realize on special teams. Man, those are two good ones. I think, like you said, special teams. <sighs> I think the creativity and talking about like rugby-style kick, it just brings me back to the days in Delaware Stadium with – for all these Saragossa. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would go back to that. Oh that's why man. I went. That's why I went with it. Yeah, this, oh, so you had the inside that. info. I might have. This was a good three and out though that was for a playoff edition. Hopefully, playoff I mean, knock on wood. Hopefully, we have two teams. Hopefully, we're talking about an upset, mm-hmm. and then hopefully, I'll I'll just throw out one more thing. How much of a difference will it be a close game in Harrisonburg? Oh yeah. Will no team has scored over 14 points? Will Stony Brook? That that to me. If Stony Brook scores over 14, I think they have a chance. If they if they don't find the scoreboard and it's tough treading, I don't I, know. I think it will absolutely be a close game. I don't – I'm just going to hold steady with what I've been That's saying all year and just say I don't think anybody's prepared to stop JMU. I can see a game that's similar to J, JMU and Richmond. I think it's going to be whoever can get to the 20-point mark wins this football game on Saturday. And that's what happened in the Jamie Richmond game, 2013. So be cold. I see a lot of similarities. I actually, th- I don't think weather's going to be a factor in Harrisonburg and in Central Arkansas. It's supposed to be 65 degrees, so mm. really lucky in that that's sense. Th- but that might be against New Hampshire. Too hot. Too you hot. Guys, <laughs> you guys going to Harrisonburg? What do you mean too hot? You mean too hot? No, are you going to Harrisonburg? I'm not going to Harrisonburg. I am not going to Harrisonburg. I got uh, nice little parade plans on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Then I'll settle down and watch some football. So. Yep. It's going to be on the Apple TV this weekend. Actually, that, that's the best part. I mean, people give ESPN. We can watch that. The best part is nope. just switching back and forth and seeing the scores, watching the scoreboards, and just seeing what's going on. You didn't give us your final thing on what do you think. I just Stony Brook, Jamie. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of unknowns about they didn't play each other, and I think there's going to be some tricks and there's going to be some things that haven't been shown the whole year. I don't. I just don't see how you bet against Jamie at home. I'm not a betting man, but if you, I, I just don't see how this team loses at home. I believe in Stony Brook, and I've, I I feel like mm-hmm. I've kind of talked about Stony Brook a little bit more sometimes this year, later on especially. I think it's going to be a really good game, and I think Stony Brook will surprise a lot of people moving the ball. Yep. But at home, you never know what can happen in the playoffs. That's the advantage that I always look to. I will say, even though I hate that they're playing in the second round, just to wrap it up, it is great that the number one and the number two teams that finish one and two in the conference do have who the didn't opportunity. Play. Who didn't yep. play each other do have the opportunity Very to true. play each other. That's it. Good night, Canada. We're out of here. Enjoy the games, everybody.